Hey there, friends. Before we get to a brand new episode of the official Do Good Better podcast, we want to thank you, the listener, for subscribing and sharing with all of your nonprofit friends. Most importantly, we need to be thanking the sponsors to this very show. Hey, if you're in the market for a CRM system that makes your life easier, there is no better item in your fundraising toolbox than DonorDoc. DonorDoc is not only the premier sponsor to the show, it is the premier and intuitive CRM system that not only has everything you want, but has zero things you don't. No one needs complicated, especially when you wear 10,000 different hats at your nonprofit. So get DonorDoc and use Do Good Better at checkout and get a month free to try it out. Thanks, DonorDoc, for being an awesome sponsor. Hey, speaking of life being easier, fundraising is not. And as a listener to this podcast, I hope you found some insight and tips and tricks on how to make it a little less challenging. But if you're looking for a more content, more done-for-you templates, weekly support, and a community of other do-gooders like yourself to either commiserate, challenge, co-create, or celebrate with, join Do Good University. Hey, it's our brand new membership site. We have hours and hours of on-demand trainings, exclusive guest expert webinars, and access to the entire Do Good Better crew to answer all of your pressing questions. All of that is for an affordable monthly fee. So visit dogooduniversity.com or click the link in the show notes for details. Hey, get ready for another episode of the official Do Good Better podcast. Your organization is awesome, but sometimes you want to be even awesomer. It's time to get your fundraising on with your host, fundraising expert and author, Patrick Kirby. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kirby. And of course, we talk with people who are going to help our small and medium-sized nonprofits do good better. What if I told you that uh, we would bring on somebody who is going to tell you how to tell a better story? You'd believe me because that's exactly what we've got today. And not only that, we've got uh, an individual not only coming to us from Seattle, Washington, from France. Yes, indeed. We go international today, my friends. It's going to be great. Uh, Guillaume Viat. He is the uh, founder principal over at MetaHelm. He's also a strategic narrative consultant. Guillaume, welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. Patrick, it's an honor to be here. It's like, the number one show I was dreaming oh. to be on. <laughs> you, uh, you, uh, you flatter in the best possible way, my friend. That's how you start a story, folks. That's exactly right. So I'm, so I'm really excited about our conversation today because we've been kind of on this, um, this pace of trying to get our nonprofit friends to tell a better story, a more powerful story, or more awesome story that's going to bring in people who may not even know what their nonprofit does, but they're intrigued about what they do and the impact that they make. We're going to get a structure today. I'm stoked about it. But first, if people are getting to us on YouTube or Spotify or Apple, wherever they're going to find this awesome podcast, they might want to know everything about what we're going to talk about, but they might not know who you are. So could you give us a 5,000 foot view on who you are, what you do and why we're talking today? I am a French guy lost in Seattle. <laughs> so, that's really my story. I came here in 2008, 13 years ago, because my wife is from here. I could, I knew, I knew no one. <laughs> I could barely speak English, and I'm still here 13 years later, which means um, 
I like it here. So I really do like it here. I'm a, I'm a US citizen now, but I, I, I describe myself as really a, a global citizen. I travel, um, you know, I've traveled actually geographically pretty extensively in my life. With COVID, I've, I've I've kept the connections all over the world. I have clients um, in most continents, uh, and and I'm I'm a very international guy. My company is called MetaHelm. What we do at MetaHelm is that we do something called strategic narrative. It's a na- it's the name for my method, my approach. Um, you know, if people look up what a strategic narrative is, other other of my peers will have their own definition of it. But I have one that is pretty different from everybody else. And I may contradict what people think about storytelling. So very concretely speaking, we work with CEOs, founders, business owners, who are about change. They are change makers. Sometimes I call even I call them even troublemakers because they defy the status quo, they defy authority in their industry, in their market, in their community. And most of the time, and that's what we care about, is that they do that for good, for a good reason. Um, and so we work with private entities, but also nonprofits, uh, such as, you know, in, in here in Seattle, large nonprofit that most people know is the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Uh, but I also work with, uh, with nonprofits, um, in the Middle East who are about peace building, uh, such as Generations for Peace and smaller nonprofits that are doing incredible things here in the area of Seattle, in France, in the Netherlands, uh, a little bit everywhere, to be honest. It's awesome. Well, here's and what I love about this too, and in today in general, is we as the small nonprofits don't think that we are change makers as much as maybe other organizations, you know, do. Mm-hmm. What I like about today is that you're going to get a perspective from a number of different sources, a number of different places, and you're going to realize, I think, dear listener, that what you do matters. And we're going to put together a story or we're going to put together a framework that you can follow that's going to help you realize that. And if you do nothing else but understand that you do great things, I think we're off to a really good start, my friend. So, okay. So talk to us about why on earth do we need a good story? I mean, we, you know, we started a nonprofit. We do nonprofit work. Well, I'll say, uh, you know, why do we need a story? I don't know. Well, you know, uh, okay. So, I'll, so I told you I do things a little bit differently, and I might contradict people here. I might, I may contradict you, Patrick. I love it. Actually, I don't believe that you need a good story, a good story. I think, I think that any organizations had has more than one story to tell. Has actually hundreds of stories to tell. And um, I, actually, what I need, I think you need is a good narrative. So, right there, I'd like to um, uh, help people understand a key difference. This, the difference between the word story and the word narrative, and I'll see, and you'll see what why. And so, for many years myself, I was using both words interchangeably. It turns out the word narrative as a noun does not exist in the French dictionary. Huh. No, it's an it's an adjective, and so that ca- that got me thinking like, why doesn't it exist in the French dictionary? And I start I started researching like, yeah, it's, you you go from one dictionary to the others and. It's, it sounds like they are the same. Like if you read what a story is, it's the recount of facts and events um, that happened in the past. And narrative is about the same. But there is one subtle and massive difference here is that a narrative will convey a particular point of view. A narrative is meant to uh, provide a viewpoint uh, for uh, to, to help people understand a specific situation. 
a narrative is a system of stories. In fact, think about a narrative as like a galaxy, a little galaxy of stories, right? I'm, I'm waving my hand here for people who can see us on, on video, but think about it just a, as a constellation of the little stories. And now if you think about it, when we hear, hey, the narrative about money, the narrative about politics, the narrative about religion, the narrative about social justice, what do we mean by this? We need the combination of all the stories we hear about one topic that actually shape the way we think about a specific topic, right? So for instance, I'll, I'll, I'll try to use as many examples as I can for, for our yeah. listeners here. Um, the narrative about healthcare has evolved over the years. If you look at 60, 70 years ago, it's cool to smoke. <laughs> Doctors would smoke on, 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 on cigarettes advertisement. The narrative has changed now because now we, we know that smoking is bad for you, right? So, uh, so narratives are these uh, networks of stories that are humanly shaped. You tell a story, but you build a narrative. Mm -hmm. And it, I'll keep I'll keep throwing like differences like this for people to kind of really see the picture here. Also, a story is kind of is is actually closed ended. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. It lands somewhere. And storytelling is a really a useful framework when it comes to uh, create movies or write fictions. You know, you want the loop to be closed. The hero wins. Okay, da -da, we're done. A narrative, on the other end, is open-ended. There's a big, there's a beginning. Then there is a middle. There is probably some kind of tension or problem. We don't know how it's going to close. Right now, we're living today as we speak, and we are uh, making decisions through many, many narratives around us. Narratives about the economy. Narratives about about um, science, narratives about, I mean, you, the list is huge, obviously. So think about this. Stories are closed-ended. Stories, uh, narratives are open-ended. Another thing I realized is that, and, and, and a quote that I like to, to remember, remind people is that people will buy your story. They'll buy your book. They will buy your movie. They will, they will get on your website and they will read your story and they, they will literally buy into it. People will almost die for a narrative. Mm. They will almost die for an This means that they will make, um, they will take decisions that are to to the next level. They they will make drastically important, um, different kind of calls and moves when they are really into the narrative about something. So maybe your your narrative today, as you're listening to us, is about a cause, a specific cause. Maybe it's about. Um, I don't know. Help me out, Patrick. Give me some examples of the of the companies you you of the <clears throat> nonprofits you you help. But then I can illustrate. No, so let's talk about food scarcity because I think that's that's something that I think is Perfect. right. So, um, food scarcity right here, and you know, with inflation prices or whatever. So that that becomes real. How is that not? Isn't the end game? And this right. is a question. Isn't yep. the end game to make sure that nobody has food scarcity? I would hope that's so. That's the, yeah, right. So that's the ultimate goal. That goal is an end story. How is that a narrative or how do you get to a narrative when you want the end to ultimately be my nonprofit solves a problem? Because that's curious as well. I'd be very interested to keenly hear about that. Well, you, you, you may solve individual problems about food scarcity, but have we, have we solved food scarcity at the national or international level? Yep. No. No. It's still going. So <clears throat> why does this matter now? Because I, I give you some theory here. Okay, if you think in terms of narrative versus story, what you will do is that you will invite people to help you finish that narrative. And that's key to nonprofits. You invite volunteers, donors, 
supporters, advocates, um, people who are ready to take action, to give their, some of their time, give you some of their ideas, their connections, their scrappiness to help your cause. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's critical to think about what you do first in terms of a narrative that you open up. Think about it as an open door, an open invitation. One of the things that one of the uh, number one mistakes I see when I, I help organizations think about this is that they go, yeah, you know, we, we look, we, we've published, you know, numbers of um, examples, case studies, we've proven with data and we, we've, 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 we show the solution there, right? What is left for people to imagine then? What is left for people to add? And one of the things that you may want, you may want to do is instead leave the picture a little bit unfinished so that people have a chance to put their fingerprints on it. Because if you, if you do that, if you let people add their own piece of heart or soul to what you're building, it becomes theirs. And mm -hmm. so what you'd create is that you create a movement. In fact, stories have an audience and narratives have participants. An audience is more passive, right? Oh, I listened to a great story. Yeah, that makes me feel good. Okay, I'm happy. Then what do I do? I don't know exactly. I'm part of a narrative now. I'm a participant. I get to choose. I have a call. I, I have a calling. I have a voice. I get to add to it. That's, that's, that's a difference right there. You know, you, there's a lot to unpack here because there's so <laughs> many good points within it. Number one, uh -huh. what you just did was give permission to those who are really having trouble or really not confident in making an ask mm -hmm. for a major gift. You've given them the blueprint to move forward with a conversation because of that invitation. You're not saying, could you give me a million dollars? You're saying, you know, we've got a project that's going to take a million dollars. Is that something that you would be interested in being invited to? Or would you like to be invited to help make that a, make that a thing? It's not a pointed ask. It's not an end game. Like, hey, give me money and then we're done. Right. Exactly. Would you like to help us solve this? Would you like to be, you know, invited? So that invitation is so wonderful as a soft approach to a very hard ask. Yeah. Um, because what, not, there's no end game to it. What what you do is that uh what, what when you have when you have this approach, Patrick, I, I think you'll you'll recognize that too, is that you are uh, sharing the why. And you know the famous book by Simon Sinek, Start with Why. That, that's what you do, in fact, instead of selling the what. The what is the project, is the concrete you know action that you eventually need in your in your conversation. I'm not discounting it, but at first you want to help people understand why does this matter at a, at a large scale at the you know the big picture kind of thing so what that why does food scarcity why does ending food scarcity matter yeah why the other, the other thing that i wanted to touch on too and and maybe we can talk a little bit about this because i love the idea of what questions do you engage with somebody mm -hmm. that help you build this narrative and one of the things that i really love is asking donors you know if money wasn't an option, what could we do together to solve some of this? Right? Like, that's a really interesting way to get somebody's reaction. I'd love your thoughts on that. Well, I love it because right now what you're doing is that you're tapping into the narrative. What mm -hmm. could we do together to, what did you say exactly? To, to Yeah. If money was no issue, what could we right. do together? To what, we do, what, what would we do together to do what? Mm -hmm. You let the, the other person decide what they want to do and how did how do they define it yeah. so there is actually research on this that proves that there's a research um that proves that 
when you share an idea with someone, it's, you know, when you, we could say we, you pitch an idea and you yep. pitch an idea, you know, we think of pitching as just saying, saying things, but the most important part is actually to uh, care about the receiver of the idea and see what they're going to be able to do with the idea. Right. Yeah. So when you ask the question, um, what, what would be able to do together, you let the person finish what's on the dotted line. Like you, they add their own words and, Okay, another another value that I see here is that not only you you, ha- you increase the level of participation of collaboration. I see myself doing doing something. I'm invited to do that, uh, but also if you don't hear a positive reaction or if you don't hear ener- energy or excitement, uh, you know, uh, in front of you, this means maybe the person is not ready. Yeah, the person doesn't want to, or you know, and and so it's a great way to assess fit and say, okay, are we a fit? Are we should should I, should I spend more time? Because you know, again, we are in nonprofit organizations. Resources are usually scarce, mm-hmm. and time is a very valuable resource. So yeah. So if you're a nonprofit and you're like, okay, well, I'd like to move from the story of my organization to the narrative right. of what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. I think as a nonprofit, we're going to look at that and go, that seems to be overwhelming. I have no idea where to start. Is there a starting point where you can kind of take what you have and go, okay, where are we like almost an assessment? Like, where do we start if we're trying to build or transform our story into that narrative? Okay. So um, the the goal here, that's a great question. I love that question. Uh, that the goal is not to completely forget about the story of your organization. Um, The goal is to have a balance, right? And to know intentionally when to use which story for what purpose. That's why I call this strategic narrative because it's intentional, it's purposeful, you're aware of it, you know what you're doing, right? So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna verbally paint a very quick uh, picture. You can find this actually, I have, a, uh, I have resources you can find, but think about this. Uh, what, whatever you do has two sides. Uh, one is internal to your organization. You, uh, you set up processes, you know, you have a team, uh, you have ideas internally, and then there is an outside facing part of it, right? You, how you communicate about your organization. Maybe you have a website, you do marketing, and then you go one-on-one, talk to people, uh, whatever the case might be. So, so, so picture a sheet of paper that you, you split into two, you know, inside, outside, and then split it again, um, horizontally into two so that you have like four boxes. You do things uh, individually, right? Maybe uh, you start a nonprofit individually as as one person, then quickly you find some partners, but it's a small group. That's what I mean by this. And then you do these, you do things collectively, right? Mm -hmm. You you need a community uh, to activate your actions and to deliver more positive impact. So, So you've got four quadrants and in those four quadrants, uh, leave I call them dimensions. There are four dimensions will leave different stories. So I'll start with the first one. Individually and internally, what matters are who you are as a leader. Do you have the passion to that you can share with people to explain to them why you even started this nonprofit? If you're the founder, I'm assuming you're the founder, or or if you're not the founder, why you joined this 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 organization? Mm-hmm. So in the individual and personal part of the of the narrative, it's all about your ability to say, okay, here's why I started. Maybe you faced some hardship. Maybe you were confronted with we we use food scarcity a, a bit ago. 
with that and why this matter to you and why you realize that hey you are not the only one trying to solve this and there's and then obviously not the only one faced with with this problem and you wanted to do something about it uh also in that in that in that dimension of your narrative something that i explore um sometimes is your ability to stay not only driven and passionate but also productive like how do you use your time to continue to fuel that flame right because a nonprofit is not a it's not a sprint <laughs> it's a marathon yeah. so you will need to be able to be to be conscious about how you use your energy all right let's move to the external phase the, the external facet of your um of your nonprofit here and how do you reach out to the community there is an exercise that i have people do that i call the opportunity story mm. And the opportunity story is about forgetting about yourself and really using the words we as much as possible. We as a community can change something. We as a community can help home homelessness, can help food scarcity, can help, um, uh, you know, and violence. Uh, in our in our neighborhood here, I worked with a with a wonderful nonprofit uh, in Tacoma. Uh, that that took on that challenge in the 80s and they were very successful and what they did is that they went out door to door and they they talked so that's your opportunity story you don't have a solution yet but what you're trying to do is engage people at this collective level so so the story is about what is the what what could the future lo could look like what could the future look like in three years same three years from now and and the only story you care about are haven't happened yet they're there's they're future focused well maybe in three years from now you know we can walk safely in our neighborhood um you know most people have food at their table we don't hear of stories of of of, um, of people dying from untreated preventable diseases so i'm just using example again here so the the opportunity story is really how you activate that sense of community in your communications in your action in your actions here and how you are able to express why does this matter now you know I, i i see this all the time you've got a great case you've got a great opportunity but you forget to put it in context why does food scarcity matter now more than ever why should we why should we join you on your adventure on your journey now today in 2021 <laughs> there's probably things that are really important that we forget to say mm -hmm. i'm going to go back now are you Is it, are you? I'm, I'm tracking. I love it. And, I, and again, we're going to have the downloads. You're going to go and first of all, you're going to listen to the show again. You're going to listen to the show again. You're going to grab the downloads that uh, that we're going to post in our yep. show notes. Grab those and then visualize because it's brilliant in the way that you can compartmentalize some of this stuff yeah. so you can draw out some of those, you know, particular narratives or particular pieces that Stories. you want. Stories. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and orchestrate them. One. Yeah. And the, the whole idea here is to um it's like you know it's like a, it's like building a strategic narrative is like uh, playing music right um so say you're playing piano you have keys in front of you right if you want if you want good music you're not just going to bang on many on all the keys at the same time right you want to you know you know you use them purposefully and so it's the same use your stories purposefully at the right time and so when you go out there and you want to explain why your organization exists at the community level use the opportunity story don't talk about you don't talk about your team don't want to talk about why your program matters so much use the opportunity frame the opportunity that collectively people can help you achieve all right the next one I'm going to go back to the internal 
now side of your com of your of your organization and say imagine that your organization has grown you have a, you have a team maybe even a small team a handful of people or maybe a large team how do you make people uh continue to make people excited mm -hmm. right that's the perspective story and i've seen this done, done very successfully there's, there's a great exercise you could do called you know writing your manifesto what are the 10 say 10 principles that you um you know to be true what are the golden rules that you will leave by no matter what that are almost set in stone because sometimes you will want to revisit them but what are, what are the things that are key essential to you so uh one of the companies i i i work with uh manufactures electric vehicles here in the seattle area and they've got five they've, they've got five of them let's see if i can remember the, them by heart <laughs> so the first the, the first one is the future is electric mm. second one is the future is autonomous the third one is the future is local the fourth one is the future is shared right we can share electric vehicles and the fifth one i forgot <laughs> <laughs> i don't get an a on this one or you get a b you get a b but you see the point the the idea is like you you have your tenants here and this is how you also hire people hire you know onboard them like are we aligned here are, are these could be a set of values and these are illustrated by another set of stories hey you know what when we worked on that initiative you know that core value that we talked about it could re it, it really showed through let me tell you the story of how our team really exuded that value that we have that we say we have that we defend um and we fight for and that we you can see here on our website well it so, also gives you it also gives you a, almost an internal framework on who you want to get for volunteers who you want to right. recruit board members yes. you know who your leadership team is is based on that perspective because exactly. if they don't have that well that's you know that's you're yeah. not going to have a good fit if that's going to be the the bit there yeah yeah in fact in fact you're touching on something critical here patrick i uh this 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 particular side is really should be used as your decision making uh tool it's a filter you know you you can gauge and say are we a good fit or not you know do, do we for 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 many many things not just hiring but also investments um locations i mean you name it there's so many decisions donors you know donors in a sense right so donors there, I mean, there's a lot of people who, you know, you would love to get a check yeah. from somebody who's got a lot of money, but they, they might not be aligned with you. Exactly. And if they're not on their, your perspective side and they don't have this sort of internal, you know, if they don't have the passion for it and they certainly don't have the uh, perspective on on that, why, why on earth would you want them upon your yeah. team? Yeah. No, so this, this applies very well also to private companies. Uh, I just want to give you some example of in the private sector, what we see. So for instance, if you type in, uh, Google 10 things we know to be true you will see Google's original manifesto they wrote it in the uh, late 90s I think the founders of Google and you will see 10 things each one has a statement and each statement is supported by the by a paragraph you read through this and I guarantee you will be noting and you'll be said yep that's what they said they would do yes you know search is search is universal um the user come first so so you you see the 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 manifestation of their perspective story every day everywhere of course now google as giant has evolved into so many domains that it might it might be a stretch to say this exact match but that's how they started that's how they build their their organization here the other thing too is it reminds you why you do the work here 
Mm-hmm. Right. So I think sometimes when we're telling stories, we get out of our own brain and we're trying to convince other people. Right. Mm-hmm. We're trying to convince them to join us or convince them to donate to us. And if you're not convinced yourself, if you're not reminded constantly about the wins and the accomplishments and the good work and the good deeds you do, you get burned out. Yeah. The really good side of this internal compartmental compartmentalization where you remind yourself why you get up every day and work as hard as you do in a, in a mm-hmm. very, you know, not necessarily paid by the billions sort of way. But this gets you. This gets your blood going, and I think that's that's really it, important. Gets people get people excited. It also it's also a, a springboard for evolution because your team will grow, your team, your team will, will change, yeah. and so how do you keep that in check? Yeah. All right. The fourth dimension. You know the fourth. You know on my imaginary sheet of paper. Obviously, you oh uh, that hopefully you were able to visualize here in your mind is the the one that I put in the bottom right corner of the model, which is now, okay, it's all that is beautiful, Guillaume, but how do we really engage, you know, one-on-one with our community, our donors, our, our volunteers here? And that's what I called, um, so in my language, I call this the product story, but please replace product by program, project, initiative, uh, whatever the, whatever applies to you. It's really concretely, what do we what do we deliver on a daily basis, right? And how does this make people feel? Um, so, so, so one of the stories that I like, I help people write is called the product story. It's a, also a story of the future. And before launching a product, uh, 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 say a, a program, um, you know, give yourself a page or two to imagine that you're one year from now, the program has happened and you describe, uh, what is the program like? Uh, what people do, what do people say about it? Uh, maybe, uh, pretend you're one of the beneficiaries of the program and write a mock testimonials. And what you will do then is that you'll, you're going to, you're going to build a, a really useful, um, product design tool that helps you stay in check as the program launches and goes now live. Hey, are we actually doing the things that we say we would do? Because if we are not, there are two cases. Uh, one, we need to actually do what we say we do, or we need to re- readjust. But you know, writing that story down collaboratively with your team, you know, and 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 having a few people maybe check on it, and make sure that we're not crazy here, will make people accountable and and, and will increase your chances of success dramatically. So that's another story that you need to add to your narrative. The the critical piece about a narrative is that it only works. It only works if you repeat yourself consistently. And I cannot stress that enough. Repetition will be, or, or the fear of repeating yourself is your worst enemy because you'll say, oh yeah, we've already said how we started. Oh yeah, we've already said, you know, why our, our community uh, sh- should join. We've, we've already said that. Well, Believe me, especially in this day and age where attention span is so small, people will need reminders. The reason why, so they, they, they we forget. I mean, look at it. We are constantly, um, uh, you know, uh, in front of our phones, of our computers, seeing ads everywhere. We forget that you exist. If we forget, so please repeat yourself. If it's ten times, fifteen times, a hundred times, it doesn't matter. Repeat yourself consistently. And that's what creates a narrative is the consistency. Because if you see yourself saying stories that are a little bit dissonant with what you're trying to say, then you don't have a good narrative. You're not very clear, or maybe something is off and you need to go back to the drawing board. 
the minute you think your story is boring and the minute you think that your narrative has been heard before is just when people are beginning to figure it out. Yeah. And, and you see this all the time in marketing um, is, hey, let's try something new or, hey, let's try this or, hey, let's do this. And they have forgotten to make sure that everybody knows what the hell that you do over, over and over again, because you're always switching it up. So your stories are always changing. Your narrative is never clear. Your, your stuff is all smattered out because you're not getting the immediate response that you expected from something. And so you're like, well, this isn't working. I'm going to change it up really quickly. Yeah. We, we had that over here where mm-hmm. we got into, um, uh, you know, hey, we wanted to kind of change up our vibe or whatever. That didn't work at all. And the reason that we went back to kind of what we we're talking about, we're talking about frameworks, we're talking about storytelling, we're talking about, you know, uh, all the important things of picking up the phone, the old school is new school. Again, the reason we're talking about it is because we can talk about it well. We've mm-hmm. got our we've got our pitch, right? We've got our narrative, and it we could just say it over and over again. And now finally people are going, Oh, oh I've heard of you, or I've heard about this, or I've had that, and that's that's where you, now you've got them. And then yeah. you stick to it and you don't change it the entire time. So yeah. I love this that you frame this in a way that um it's okay to repeat, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so which brings me to another tip for our listeners here is that uh, when people think about storytelling and and maybe that I may have come across like this, like a narrative, most people will think of a piece that you write, that you do it, that you do maybe once a year or once a period of time and that you uh, let uh, sit somewhere. Well, we've done that. I think of building a narrative as a practice that you something you do every day. So it's more in the habits, it's more in the leadership um, capabilities that you have, because saying things and then not doing the things that you say are, you know, is very, very, very dangerous here. So when I say building a narrative, it's, uh, it includes the, the set of communication tools that you have, but also your behavior. Like, yeah. how do you show up in front of people? Yeah. Uh, what are the choices in terms of how you spend the money that uh, you can raise? Mm-hmm. So all of that you have to to connect together in that system that I'm describing here, and that's a practice that you need to look at on a daily basis. That's that. that much, yeah. Well, how much patience do you need to have in order to build a really good narrative? Because I think because people want immediate results and they want immediacy and they've got that attention span. I almost think about it as. If you go to the gym once, you go back and you weigh yourself. Yeah, you're not yeah. going to be weighed, right? You go the second yeah. day, and, and over and over again, right? Okay, and so uh, Patrick, this is one thing I I don't like. I actually hate about the narrative about storytelling right now these days. Pick up a book, and the underlying promise is that once you've told your story, you're done. And yeah. That's a fallacy. That's a scam to me. And that's I'm really really mad about this because many of my peers and people you know very famous have played that 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 card and it's very dangerous uh because yes you do need patience and narrative builds over time over time it's repetition throughout the throughout the season throughout the year people come back at you uh because of consistency think about thinking about a, a politician that you know well um you know and the, and someone you trust, whatever the party is, whatever the cause, I don't. It doesn't matter. Somebody you trust. Why do you trust them? Because you've. I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm going to guess. 
right? Because you've heard her or him or they say the same thing over and over and over and over for decades. Mm-hmm. Sure, they've you know they've changed, they've evolved a little bit. They've ha- they may have contradicted themselves at, at points. We're humans. Maybe it was uh, they had their their own goal, their own agenda. But you do that because they build a narrative again, build a narrative that resides in your mind through thousands of stories. They repeated themselves, and they, and they, and they showed consistency in the way they connect with people. Well, and I think if you change it up. Mm-hmm. Or you stop mid narrative because you've got to move on to something else. Mm-hmm. You now don't have that trust. And and here's an example: it will age me and it will date me, and that's fine. I'm I'm here for the content. But Coke tasted exactly like Coke up until they said we're going to do new Coke. Yeah. And then they roll out new Coke, and everyone's like, "What the hell is this?" And they immediately yeah. went back to their old Coke, and they haven't changed ever since. Because they stopped, they said they needed to do something different to refresh, where they had just global dominance the entire time right somehow you got bored with just being consistent and they're like oh i'll just shake it up and have a brand new recipe and everybody <laughs> said no we don't want any of that and they immediately went back back to the original off, right yeah yeah since you talk about a being brain like cook i want to address another question that people sometimes ask me is uh which is okay you need i get it you need patience you need consistency you need leadership too because you need to have the courage to stand right. up and you know grab the mic and repeat yourself and engage the crowd but what about money what about budget how much does this cost because i can i can see here you know the fear is like oh my god this is going to be a crazy marketing budget we don't have that kind of money here mm. i want to reassure you this doesn't need necessarily a huge budget especially these days you can use so many low production um tools available free things um to activate your narrative it's crazy i mean in the past 10 years i've seen i've been doing this for over 20 years now and i used to be you know it used to be a a question uh higher on the agenda well what about budget so we had to think about about it way less maybe almost not anymore because what does it cost to, um, you know, start your your webcam, get on a Zoom call, and record yourself, and put a put a video here up on YouTube to, uh, you know, to promote a program, to talk about the opportunity, to talk about your perspective, to share your origin story? Um, it's way less than you think. You don't need uh, uh, an agency to help you do that. In fact, my strong belief is that you can't afford an agency to do that. Not only in terms of budget, but you can't afford because an outside agency won't have the same touch, won't have the same energy that you have as a human being. You have as a leader to to go forth and just speak up and just say what you have to say. Or or if you if you're not a very extrovert person, which I understand, do what you have to do. You still show through your action, even even if you think they're they're small, even if you think that they're insignificant. That's your own narrative right there. Outside, it matters to us. We care about them. And we want to, we'd rather see you show up um, versus, you know, spending loads of money on on fancy marketing uh, that, you know, usually is very deceiving. I paid the price a long time ago and I learned my lesson. Well, and I'm glad you're sharing your learned lesson with us. We don't have to do that. By the way, speaking yeah. of origin story, yep. um, if you are not a member of Duguid University, you should be because after this podcast, we're going behind closed doors and we're going to talk about the origin story and how to tap into your purpose so people will join you and your cause. You're not going to want to miss it because if you've gotten an inkling 
of what we're about to talk about behind there, stick around. Get more details in the show notes. We're going to do it. There's a there's a bunch of books that you could read on a bunch of topics that mm-hmm. you could engage. If you're a small nonprofit and you are saying, okay, I love this idea. I love uh, this sort of uh, story. What are the best books? Maybe not even fundraising books, but what books do you read that you just love that have an example of a narrative that you're like, this author gets it or this book series gets it? Because I'll tell you, I am a massive like super like fantasy novel dungeons and dragons and that kind of thing right so there's always one of those and i've got my favorites but i've love it you know if somebody who is talks about narrative all the time what's the book series or book that you just this is one i love it's the one of the better examples of what a narrative not just story but a narrative would be um okay so i just published a book so that would be mine <laughs> what i can't believe we set that up so well <laughs> no okay uh, okay sure but i i'm not, i i i actually thought about a better one so, somebody that it's a, it's actually a book series mm. but okay if you want to check out my book it's called uh strategic narrative and you will read about and there are examples of these and uh, you know it's a simple method that business leaders can use to help everyone understand their business get behind it and believe in it now there'll be a sense. show note yeah go to the show notes go click on that and go get it right now get it no, it, no, no. listen to the show first and then go get it okay <laughs> it's free i don't i don't even ask for an email so it's 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 entirely okay. free now one one of the authors that i admire that really inspired me that does this through a series of book is called austin cleon maybe you've heard of, about him Austin Cleon is defines himself as a writer that draws, mm-hmm. and he has a he has a, a series of three books. He's, he wrote the first one, I think, around two thousand twelve. Mm-hmm. Ten years old now, and he talks about creativity, and he actually changes the narrative uh, uh, around creativity. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's that's a wonderful series. Those books are fast read, loaded with tips. And you can really see how he goes about creativity and debunks myths. Like the first book is about how we should all admit that we steal ideas from each other, from everyone, right? But we should do that like an artist. And what artists do is that they steal ideas with a good intent. They steal ideas to spread them. They, they name their sources and they add to these ideas. So that's just a glimpse at what that book. So I really yeah, highly recommend it. Yeah. If you don't, if you have not read Steal Like an Artist, Go and pick it up. It is, I mean, it is an inch, not even that yeah. thick. It is brilliantly done. Yeah. It is, and is as a fundraiser and as a uh, nonprofit leader, it is, I mean, it's one of the best out there. Yeah. You and I are on the same wavelength with that. I love that can, a lot. And can, can I name another author that I actually Please. just met in person in Seattle uh, last week? His name is Hans Hansen. He's a professor at the University of Texas. And he has a book called Narrative Change. And he talks about the work that he did a decade or two ago with the judiciary system and um, contributed to a sharp decrease in the number of death penalty in the state through changing the narrative about death penalty uh, in the judiciary system. It's a fascinating story. It's a fast read as well. Highly recommended if you want to understand really that difference between story and narrative and pick up on some good strategies to activate it for yourself. 
I hope everybody um, not only finishes this episode and goes and downloads some of the, the materials that we're going to link to, because I think that the, that four quadrant, those those pieces where you've got an internal and external, you've got this passion explainer piece, you've got this opportunity that you get to share with everybody using that term we, which I love. That's so good. If you haven't visual visualize this, get, get it printed and sit it down and kind of walk through this. But then you've got this perspective story that you then get to bring everybody along where you're going to try to find those matchmaker, you know, the, the people that you want to match up with. And then you've got this program story that kind of finishes it. If you exude patience and you're in this little, this little procedure and this framework that you've got, I think no matter what your size, mm-hmm. whatever nonprofit that you run, you're going to be able to tweak, not change, tweak the way that you engage your audience a whole lot more. This has been a fascinating uh, different things. And I'm glad that you caught me out of the gate, my friend. Ah, I'm glad okay. that you said, I'm glad that you said, no, no, story. Let's talk about narrative. That's way more fun. And yeah, I, it's, it's two different things. Yeah. So I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad, you know, I didn't, because um, yeah, glad no, you took it this way. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. So um, if people want to find you, Number yes. one, where do they go? How do they get in touch with you? How do they uh, coordinate? Where do we, where do we go? How do we get? Uh, so I'm always on LinkedIn. If you mm. guys uh, are on LinkedIn, it's very easy. You can connect. You can. Uh, I guarantee I'll, I'll reply to your connection. I I like to send a, a personal note as well. Um, and then if you want to read more um, about my approach, see some case studies, examples, and and, and get more uh, specific. Uh, my company website is called metahelm.com, metahelm.com. But if you can't remember that name, which I would understand, you can go to your browser and in the uh, URL bar, type in strategicnarrative.com. And that's even faster. You will get straight to my website. We're going to have so many links in the show notes. It's going to be incredible. Uh, yeah. Yeah, what's your so I I, pub, I publish pretty frequently on this topic. Uh, you know, several times a week, there are short uh, short emails that are thought provoking. I've heard from my audience, and uh, I would love if you sign up and ask me questions. I answer the, I answer every question. I'm going to sign up and ask you an abundance of questions, and it's going to be oh. a delightful. <laughs> and again, if you want more, you know, and you want to go and get uh, some of this extra sort of origin story stuff, get to Do Good University, get on those show notes, go Ooh, click on a bunch of things, mm-hmm. join us afterwards. It's going to be a blast. Um, first of all, thank you uh, for being on My the show. This is, great. This is um, it's it's a wonderful, we're always trying to have different perspectives and we're always trying to challenge sort of the way we've always done it, which I think is how we handle things today properly. Uh, thanks so much for sharing your framework. I think this helps a lot of people, but most of all, thank you so much for being on the official Do Good Better podcast. Thank you so much, Patrick. I had a blast and I hope uh, to, um, yeah, to be back soon. I'm forecasting a return uh, from the guests. That's what I'm uh, forecasting immediately. (laughs) Great. Thanks for stopping by, guys. It was a blast. Thanks, Patrick. Fundraising is hard. And as a listener to this podcast, I hope you found some insight, tips, and tricks on how to make it a little less challenging. But if you're looking for a lot more content, done-for-you templates, weekly support, and a community of other do-gooders like yourself to commiserate, challenge, co-create, or celebrate with, I want to invite you to join Do Good 
University. It's our brand new membership site. We're going to have hours of on-demand trainings, exclusive guest expert webinars, and access to the Do Good Better crew to answer all of your pressing questions, all for an affordable monthly fee. So visit dogooduniversity.com or click the link in the show notes 